Esos toros están locos. Those bulls are crazy. Hello and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I am your solo driver for the day, Daniel O'Spaniel. My friend uh, Drew Scanlon is currently on location with Cloth Map. He's off. Um, he's either he's somewhere in the Mediterranean. He's past Spain. He's either in Italy at the moment with his family, or he's uh, down in Dubrovnik or somewhere else. Um, also with his family, but recording some cloth map stuff. Um, so it's it's just me. And unfortunately, with the with the way this came together, I've just returned from twelve days or like ten days of filming, um, and I have another responsibility to go to tomorrow. So this is like the three hour window I had to do this, um, and sadly couldn't get anyone else uh, to hop on board in the meantime. So we will for the for the next one. Uh, Drew's actually out of the the country for the next month or so. Um, so the next episode will will have a a dastardly guest, as it were. But uh, I have absolutely no problem talking to you about the. Uh, the 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 uh, tremendously exciting Spanish Grand Prix uh, Grand Prix coming up, and also the cat- catastrophic madness <laughs> that was Baku, twenty eighteen. Uh, we're gonna jump straight into the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, and I just want to first of all say, if you have not watched the highlights, just do yourself a favor, go to F one uh's YouTube channel. It's like YouTube dot com forward slash F one. You know how to use the internet. Check out the highlight package they have there. It's about six or seven minutes long. If you missed the race, please before you listen to this podcast. Um, check it out. It won't. It won't perfectly communicate the sort of like the 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 madness in in the way that it sort of it kept escalating. Like throughout the race, it kept escalating. We had like a sort of a, a interesting start. Then we had this battle that just kept escalating throughout. And then when when the 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 battle came to its inevitable end, it had this domino effect, which made the last fifteen laps of that race like something out of wacky racers <laughs> it was something else and i'll try my best to uh to uh to to communicate what the feeling was like watching it live and um, i watched it live uh, myself um i feel like it was a morning race it wasn't so bad here um i remember texting drew that morning after the race and said by by whatever you do stay off twitter watch the race as quickly as you can and i think he texted me like three or four hours later it was like that was the fucking craziest thing so it was really uh really something else uh and we're gonna jump into it right away uh, first of all though the qualifying for 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 Baku it was an interesting one um we we saw a little bit of a shake up at the front again with Vettel doing really well which I think bode well for the race um how they ended up was Vettel in first Hamilton second Bottas in third um the Mercedes is doing all right there Ricardo and Verstappen locking up uh, fourth and fifth not quite uh, third row but you know close enough um Raikkonen then holding in sixth uh, Ocon in seventh, Perez in eighth, Hulkenberg ninth, and Carlos Sainz squeaking into the top ten there. Uh, Lance Stroll in a decent eleventh, Sergei Sorokin in a very decent twelfth, uh, uh, Alonso in thirteenth, Leclerc fourteen, Magnussen fifteen. Uh, we had Van Dorn sixteen, Gasly seventeen, Ericsson eighteen, and Hartling Grosjean um, uh, taken in the back. Um, Grosjean actually crashed in qualifying, was not able to set a time, so he ended up just sitting in the back. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a mix up there, and uh, interesting going into the 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 first 
the first laps, especially because they had there was a, we talked about the wind a bit on the pre-show, and there was definitely problems with the wind shifting um, uh, and the dust as well that was sort of being kicked up from it. Um, I forgot to mention there was one thing that happened a bit, which was um, in previous laps, which was that we got a bit of debris on the track, um, be it from the trees and also from like random like crisp packets and stuff. It's not quite you know uh, sandwich wrapper in the <laughs> the air duct stuff that we've had we had in China, I believe, was it? Um, but uh, it was it, it was something that was um, causing a little bit of problem for people. Um, it, just in general, debris on the track being an issue um, with, with the wind because the stuff just got blown away, and then the stewards were having a harder time um, um, getting all that stuff off of the the the, sorry, the marshals, getting getting it off the off the track. Anyway, we're going to jump into the. Uh, the first the first lap um as they go the, everyone at the front sort of steady as you are uh Sebastian Vettel gets around the first corner fine the Mercedes in tow behind them um Ricardo Verstappen everyone sort of happy as you are uh they sort of were fine going all the way to about turn five what happened was there was a couple of different little incidents um mostly involving Sergei Sorokin which then ended up um, sort of knocking into everyone else. The first one that we saw on the television was um, an incident between Hulkenberg, Sorokin, and Alonso, and it was sort of difficult to see who exactly started it. Um, but essentially what had happened was Sorokin got sandwiched between Hulkenberg and Alonso, kind of put himself in a spot where maybe he shouldn't have been. Hulkenberg turning in, clipped Sorokin, who then smashed into Alonso, um, managed to damage um, two wheels in the crash Alonso did and try and nurse the car back. But it, the crash had actually happened before. We just didn't really see it. Uh, I'm going to pull from Autosport, which was um, did a little write-up of, uh, of it afterwards because Sorokin ended up getting penalized for this whole Palava. Uh, it starts saying Williams Formula One driver Sergio Sorokin has been penalized for his collision with Force India's Sergio Perez in the opening lap of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. The Russian hit Perez from behind under braking into turn two right hander, leading the Mexican to then collide with his former uh, India te- Force India teammate. Sorry, his Force India his former his Force India teammate Esteban Ocon and further damage his car. Don't worry, Ocon would have a much worse crash in just a better turn later. Um. Sorokin would then go on to retire down the road in a three-car-wide collision with Nico Hülkenberg and Fernando Alonso and was handed a three-place grid penalty by the FIA stewards, which he is set to serve in the upcoming Spanish Grand Prix. So yeah, apparently he tapped Perez in that real sharp turn two, which then knocked into him into Ocon. Um, Ocon started ahead of or behind Raikkonen, but somehow seemed to get in front of him during that whole period even though he got tapped but it didn't sort of matter in the end because i think it was turn four um uh, that seems about right in my head uh after the sort of decent straight raikkonen um crashed into the side of okan he sort of like speared him in a way when okan was trying to get around him maybe didn't leave enough space for the turn but raikkonen certainly didn't either um and uh yeah knocked him out pretty quick after that um safety car came out after that um alonzo was able to get back and it was a lot of debris but the problem was um okan's car was just sort of sitting there so they needed to get that off the track so we had another four or five laps of safety car um and then they were off again uh vettel again in front got away pretty fine hamilton behind bottas behind um, the shift happened on uh, with Verstappen and Ricardo. Verstappen um, diving in the inside on turn two to get past Ricardo uh, did so in such an aggressive manner that Ricardo had to pull out, which then lets uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. Um, get the jump on him as well. So it essentially put 
um, Ricardo back into, uh, I guess at this stage, God, he's ahead of the two of those guys, so Raikkonen's back there, so he must be in sixth position at that stage. Um, in any case, the battle between Ricardo and Verstappen was just heating up. Um, uh, lap 12 was the next sort of flashpoint for that one where Ricardo um, tried to get around the outside on that turn one. I talked about it in the pre-race, the fact that the not only does the, the sort of open runoff area sort of allow the driver to, to go a little bit wide there, but the, the, the I guess the re-entry way to the circuit from there is incredibly tight. The, the wall just appears out of nowhere. And also the circuit tightens on, on the uh, inside of that turn as well. Um, so Ricardo essentially got past Verstappen and then... Uh, like he was about as close to the wall as you can get, and uh, Verstappen still managed to hit him. Um, they touched wheels. They both got away from it fine. Um, uh, Verstappen got his position back, but uh, it was the a pretty like it was the type of crash where like a bunch of wheels touched and nobody got a snap suspension or arm or anything. But you could easily see have gotten it going much 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 worse. Um, Ricardo at this stage has basically got the pace for Verstappen. Verstappen's not letting him past. Um, uh, there was a lot of chat going on at the time on Twitter, and I was in the NoClip Discord with a bunch of Shift F1 fans, and we were sort of discussing like what's going on here. Like people saying it's good that they're racing. It's uh, it's it's great that I think was it BBC. Somebody had a chat with. Um, it wasn't Adrian Newey, some, some, uh, somebody at um, uh, a Red Bull and, and saying that, oh, it was they're letting them race. Um, I didn't hear that myself. It just came came over. Uh, th- there was a lot of like back and forth of whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, my personal opinion was that it was great to see them racing, but Verstappen was kind of being petulant and just like slowing them all up. They weren't getting any closer to the Mercedes in front of them. Um, it seemed like Ricardo had the pace, but it was just that Verstappen was being a bit more... Um, of a jerk <laughs> or a bit more um he was contesting it a bit more the position he had um in any case ricardo eventually did get past verstappen on turn one on uh, lap 27 uh, but it didn't last long as verstappen then dove really sharply down the inside again if they weren't teammates maybe ricardo wouldn't have given him the sort of uh I wouldn't say he gave him space, but he, he got out of the way of him again, and Verstappen then eventually uh, um, got ahead of him again, and, and they were off um, back in the same situation again. They'd been in for the best part of, you know, 20-odd laps at this stage. Uh, lap 35 came around. This battle is still going on. Uh, Ricardo does get past Verstappen on turn one and manages to protect around turn two. So after, you know... 20 something odd laps they effectively ricardo managed to get it done uh, and then pushed away a little bit he got a bit of pace um managed to create a gap uh and when the time came around for the stick on um to change tires uh, around lap 38 ricardo pitted this i guessing this is just the way of f1 drivers you get first preference if you're if you're the the car in front and um, but this ends up having a catastrophic effect because actually max ends up undercutting him by setting a really really fast lap um while ricardo was in the pits coming in doing a decent pit stop and he gets out back ahead of uh, ricardo uh, ricardo's engineer comes over the radio and says we're gonna have to do him again uh, like less than a lap later, I think Ricardo pitted on 38, uh, Verstappen pitted on 39. On lap 40, Ricardo, with his now, you know, one 
one and a half laps hotter tires is coming up on the the start finish straight between with max verstappen buckets faster than him like easily going to overtake him it's just a matter of which way he's going to go ricardo does a sort of a, a duke to the right like a real quick duke to the right doesn't really sort of settle on it and then pulls left verstappen sort of goes to block to the right and then when he sees ricardo doing an obvious fake at high speed then turns into left to block off um, unfortunately as they're doing this they're entering the braking zone of turn one um, there's no way that you can't like if you don't break here you're going to go into a runoff area you're going to hit the wall like it's not like you can go a little bit wide on this one uh, so Verstappen essentially has to break so he breaks um, Ricardo can't break at the same speed that Verstappen can uh, maybe Verstappen broke a little bit early um, it's he's going to have to because he's diving down the inside of that turn of a left-handing turn, so he's going to have to break earlier than he usually would. You know, the inevitable happens. Uh, Ricardo goes right into the back of Verstappen, takes them both out. They spin off into the the runoff area, and both Red Bulls um, are out of the race. Uh, Adrian Newey walks away from uh, his screen, and uh, the safety car comes out. The two drivers barely look at each other. They they walk away. Um, uh, and you know everyone's going crazy sort of we knew this was going to happen for 30 laps and uh, and here it is Ricardo, Ricardo and Verstappen both in really good points scoring situations and once again have managed to, to bottle it um, another uh, race that Verstappen has crashed in as well um, so not great for Red Bull fans around the world or for those of you who put Red Bull on your fantasy uh, Formula 1 teams um, I'm not going to do that this week because I don't have access to Drew's and really I just want to make sure that I can beat Drew um, so we'll get back into that stuff when we uh, when we uh, we we talk after Spain in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so yeah, I guess that was kind of the narrative of the main part of the race for the first forty laps. So fifty-seven, sorry, fifty-one lap race. So we're kind of into the end of the the race at this stage. There's only about eleven laps left, and the safety car is coming out. So people are wondering, oh, has like Vettel won the race now? You know, how long is the safety car going to be out? Um, I guess we should all put on new tires now as well, right? Because it's it's happening. And then there's like how, how long it's going to take them to clean up the debris because the debris was on the, you know, turn one and the straight. So it's a fairly long piece of tarmac that has to be cleared up. They have to clean away the, the runoff areas as well. So there's a lot of work to be done. They're going to try and do it as quickly as they can. Um, as this is all going on, Bottas dives into the pits. He's he's in the perfect position for a safety car um, in this situation to, to pit under it. Um, he does. Then the rest of them come into pit, and the front runners, Vettel does too, comes out. Lo and behold, uh, Valtteri Bottas is in front of him. So it's Bottas and Vettel and Hamilton and Kimi Raikkonen is the order um, that they're all in. Uh eventually we're like okay we're gonna get going we're gonna get going and then suddenly there's a shot of a Haas uh, sticking out of a wall I think uh, either I think it was before turn two um and somebody's crashed under safety car and they cut to Grosjean's uh radio and he's basically saying no 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 and everyone's like oh my god who hit him who hit him um turns out he was just trying to heat up the tires and totally lost the back of the car and unforced error drove his hoss into a fucking wall which is a real shame um for for Grosjean you know that's among the most embarrassing things you can probably do in an F1 car so um uh, aside from maybe when uh, Verstappen broke his wing when he was doing that like demo in front of race fans in London I think it was um 
So yeah, uh, not only is that sort of a massive problem for Roman Grosjean, but the other problem is that um, essentially, I think Paul de Resta on the, the the Sky feed and the international feed um, said, oh, Botas is one, right? Because you're like, oh, well, if they don't clean this thing up on time, then we're just going to finish the, the whole race under safety car and Valtteri Botas is going to win because he had a good pit stop, which would be pretty crazy. Um, as it happens, they managed to clean up uh, Grosjean. He, he, he dumped his car in a very neat fashion, so they were able to crane it out. Um, I, I will say that the, they had a like very large machine on the circus during that stage, which seemed quite dangerous. I think one or two of the drivers mentioned it. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be under any sort of view, review at all. Uh, but essentially, they restart lap 47. So there's 51 left in the race. Uh, lap 47, they decide to to go for it again. Um, Botas, you know, trying to... We talked again in the pre-race uh, last uh, two weeks ago about how one of the biggest issues on this circuit, which led to the Vettel-Hamilton incident last year, uh, was the very long straight and where the safety car line is and the fact that... Um, you know, the, the pace setter, once the safety car goes in, is the driver that's in first, and they can decide to go pretty early, or they can wait pretty late. Uh, Vettel did a really good job of, of um, making sure that he was still in front uh, during the lap six safety car re- re- resuming. Um, on this one, Botas does similarly good. He actually waits super late. He waits and waits and waits, boxes them all up, perhaps to get Hamilton in a position where he can threaten Sebastian. Um, that's probably a good idea. Maybe if Vettel doesn't is more worried about protecting his position than he is about overtaking Botas, then he'll 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 be forced to do something rash. Uh, as it happens, Botas gets on the gas. Uh, Vettel's a little bit uh, slow behind him. Hamilton's pretty fast, um, and they're away. Uh, as they get down to the start finish straight or at the end of the start finish towards turn one, Bottas is definitely looks like he's got a bit of a gap on Vettel, but Vettel's under massive pressure from Hamilton. Hamilton's duking around the outside. He's, Vettel's trying to protect, and then Vettel decides to sort of both protect his position and try and go for the first one by diving down the inside of Bottas um, and breaking really late. Unfortunately, he breaks incredibly late, doesn't manage to hit the wall, but pulls just out of it, flat spots his tires, but in the process of doing so, lets both Hamilton and Kimi Raikkonen overtake him. So essentially Vettel has gone from uh, being first in the race to being fourth in the race in the you know the manner of one turn <laughs> on a bunch of safety car time, I guess. Um, so it's an absolute disaster for him. Bottas essentially is looking to win the race. He's not led for any of it. And now here he is on lap 47 um, or 48, I get it at this stage. Um uh, going to win it, but with three laps to go, there's a shot of a stricken Valtteri Bottas, one of his wheels spitting rubber into the Baku skyline, um, and essentially it was the the thing that they didn't want to happen after the Ricardo and and Verstappen crashes, which, which was that there was a pretty sizable piece of debris, what looked like a front wing, sticking uh, out of the the ground on on um, the tarmac on turn one. Uh, Bottas ran across it, his uh, wheel didn't have a chance, and he was basically out of the race, um, uh, essentially at that stage. Uh, Hamilton gets past him, um, Ricardo then, uh, uh, sorry, if the, that means we've, out of all the, the front runners we had in the top six, we've lost Ricardo, Verstappen, and um, our good friend Valtteri Bottas as well. Um, 
so yeah Hamilton comes around and ends up winning the race um at this stage as well I forget exactly when this happened but Perez also managed to get past Sebastian Vettel um so what we had uh once the checkered flag was drawn was a a pretty fantastic podium uh, and also a pretty fantastic um top 10 if you ask me as well some really wonderful names in there um as they went up to the podium Hamilton actually was a little bit late apparently he went to say uh lend his commiserations to Valtteri before he went up um but he has a lot of things to be happy about because Hamilton in doing that is essentially now uh leading the championship um because Vettel not only didn't you know Hamilton got the points but Vettel lost just so many of them during that whole process yeah, going down to, to 12 points in fourth. So how it ended was uh, Hamilton in first, Kimi Raikkonen in second, uh, um, Perez in third. Incredible work there, 15 points for them. Um, uh, Vettel in fourth, Carlos Sainz Jr. in fifth, Leclerc in sixth. That's got to be something amazing. Uh, he was very, very happy on his team radio. Um, Fernando Alonso in a car that had been battered and bruised and was stricken on the first lap of the race manages to get it back uh, in uh, seventh position, gaining uh, uh, six points. Um, Stroll coming through in eighth, Van Dorn in ninth, and Hartley in tenth. Unbelievable. Uh, wonderful points there for Hartley. One point. He'll be happy about that one. Um, Ericsson in 11th. Almost didn't make it. Um, Gasly in 12th. And Magnussen in 13th. Um, decent ends for them. But at least they were part of the people who ended. Because we had no shorter than seven retirements during this race. Valtteri Bottas. Roman Grosjean. Max Verstappen. Daniel Ricciardo. Nico Hulkenberg. Esteban Ocon. And Sergei Sirotkin, none of them finishing the race. Seven DNFs in Baku. And that was a race. It was a real a real something-something. Um, I tried to gather as much news as I could about the post-race stuff. What I was really looking for was, was information on the Red Bulls. I watched interviews immediately after the race where they were both of them were talking. And it was very much a... Um, what would you call like a a company line situation where both racers came out um and sort of with their tails between their their um uh um legs i don't know spoke about how the you know it was a a bad situation and both of them had made a mistake that um that that you know they, they do it differently and they're disappointed for the team and they're sorry for the team and they're sorry for everyone back home in the UK and and all that sort of stuff. There was a there was a meeting between um uh the 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 the, the team and the drivers um almost immediately afterwards they sh- shooed them away. I'm guessing guessing they talked to Charlie Whiting after the fact as well. Um, but yeah, they came out and they were pretty. Um, I think everyone was was nobody came out of that looking good, right? Ricardo probably should have done a better job of the overtake. Uh, Verstappen was being petulant all race, and you know a double a double maneuver. What looked like a double maneuver was the reason why there was a crash. Um, he's obviously been in trouble for that going back years now. Um, and his recent form, he's had so many crashes that people are making Pastor Maldonado type websites around him. So I don't think it credits anyone, not the team or him or even Daniel, to be involved in any of this stuff. So 
Um, uh, we'll, we'll see what they're going to talk about in Spain, but they were pretty quiet after that. They did their interviews and then shut up and disappeared. Um, who didn't shut up and disappear was uh, um, uh, Fernando Alonso, who was delighted and praised Renault's outstanding reliability. Uh, this one from, um, I believe it was racefans.net. Um, Fernando Alonso was very pleased with the outstanding reliability from his Renault power unit and credited it uh, for the improved start McLaren has made to 2018 compared to last year. Speaking ahead of Sunday's race in Baku, oh sorry, this was ahead of it. Oh my God, this was ahead of it. Wow. Okay, this is. I guess he must have been even happier at that stage. He said um, that the reliability of the power unit was the biggest change from his previous experience with Honda. He's just digging it in. It's difficult to compare year after year, different circumstances. I always use uh, to r- use this race to change the engine in the past, and I always started in twentieth year, <laughs> so it's the first time I don't start twentieth. That's the only difference so far. I think the reliability touch wood. But uh, sorry, I think the low reliability touch wood. But after four races, four qualifyings, four practices, we're still running with first components on everything, and that's been good. That's probably allowed us to score twenty-two points so far, and that's very positive. Of course, he went on to score six more in Azerbaijan. Um, uh, he also qualified in thirteenth uh, place and started there, which is pretty good, um, considering. Uh, previous years he was in the last uh, racefans.net did do a wonderful interview with uh, uh, Maldonado at the uh, World Endurance Championship which was on in Spa um, which uh, actually now that we're mentioning it Fernando Alonso won so we should give him credit for that um, even if his teammates apparently did sort of hold off for the last um, last few laps apparently but um, congratulations to Alonso for that his first win in five years um, uh, Maldonado though they got an interview with and they asked him about returning to F1 uh, and this is what he had to say um, they asked how easy has it been to adapt to this category as in the WEC um, Maldonado said it's a bit different especially the size of the cars the wheels are covered so completely different sensation but the cars are pretty good to drive they are proper racing cars with a lot of aero so it's good I adapt myself quickly and I'm enjoying driving uh, race fan says can you see yourself uh, seeing uh, out your motor career in WEC are you planning to return to F1 uh, to which Maldonado replied not at the moment there is no point in to go back um, how did you get into this race fan asked he says I spent two years with the family I cooled down a little bit I traveled around the world working spent more time with the family I went back to Venezuela and uh, traveling a little bit then I said it's time to go back this series is quite good the team is quite good so uh, and Rice Fan said, you, you asked around and a deal came together, to which you replied, yes. So fair play to our friend, Pastor Maldonado, who I actually don't know how he did in, in the, the race, but hopefully he didn't crash. All right, onwards, our friends. Baku is behind us. We've gone from Europe to Europe for the Spanish Grand Prix. This is one of the oldest Grand Prix in the world. Um, said it's an, it had its centenary in 2013. Would you be, um, would you believe we've we've had races cancelled for many uh, reasons in Formula One? It's pretty common if there's a, some sort of problem going on or or maybe funds didn't work. Um, the Spanish Grand Prix has has been in a bunch of different racetracks around Spain, but it's also been had a couple of interruptions, like things like World War One and the Spanish Civil War. Uh, so, thank you to. Um, uh, Franco for the for the gap, but um, it's it's been running uh, in many different locations. We sort of dove into them in previous years. I won't get into it too much, um, 
Uh, Herreth is one of them, which, of course, if you're watching MotoGP, you watched an incredible race there last week. It was my, my first race of the season I've watched. And boy, oh boy, did that one end up fun. Um, but it's in Benina, Catalonia, in the Circ... Uh, what's it called again? The Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia, I believe, um, which is in Catalonia, which is the uh, the state that Bar- Barcelona is in. Um, sort of it's, a, it's its own... like nor- I've been there once in sort of northeastern region of Spain, Um uh, very uh, uh, prideful um, community of people there. It's where Barcelona, the, the football team, is of course. Um, uh, wonderful city to 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 visit. Although it has maybe the worst pickpocketers in all of Europe. So just FYI on that one. Um, it's been there since 1991. It's a fantastic uh, stadium. 140,000 people um, uh, can line the the seats there. Um, plenty of places to sit down. Really good fans. Big Fernando Alonso fans. There was a little bit of um, uh, uh, I would say controversy there years ago when Hamilton and Alonso were having a bit of a spat where there was some racist sort of dirty shit going on in the stands. I feel, I have never been there myself, I can't say, but it seems like in recent years that stuff has sort of died down, I imagine, and the FIA and, and especially Liberty now at this stage would crack down on any of that stuff. Um, but in terms of a racetrack, it's uh, it's something else. It's got 16 turns, it's clockwise, mostly right. Uh, the first left-hander doesn't happen until turn five, I believe, so it's always very interesting um, seeing how, uh, how, how cold those outside tires are at that stage. Um, in terms of the sort of like, flash points of this one in terms of the the parts of the track that are the most uh, important on race day when it comes to overtaking and keeping your eyes on it um really turn one is the one turn one is the biggest um spot for overtaking it comes after the pit straight this drs zone there um it's uh it's it's a, a wide enough corner um but it has a decent amount of gravel on the outside of it so people don't try and do ridiculous things um it's a it's a great spot it's it's the most likely spot for any overtaking uh, it also runs into a very interesting part of the track which is turn three which is um turn one and two are sort of like relatively easy turns for f1 standards they got a lot of downforce they're uphill they're actually quite uphill a lot more uphill than you'd realize um looking on the television uh, so there's a decent amount of grip there the problem is turn three is a super wide right-hander they pull about four g on this guy um and uh, it's it's i wouldn't call it it's kind of like a double apex corner it sort of sharpens up at the end of it uh, before you get into turn four but that whole section the the overtaking spot on turn one is really good but if you mess it up and somebody gets a better drive uh for instance the person you just overtook on turn one then there's a decent amount of uh, tarmac between you and turn four which is the first sort of real breaking spot um uh in that first section uh turn five is a is a sharp sort of downhill uh, left-hander it's the first one like i said so uh those uh those tires um are on the the outside are a little bit um cooler than they they probably should be um at that stage in the race um and then it's a it's a lot of fun sort of up and downy stuff again like lap six uh, turn seven is a kind of an uphill corkscrew um the 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 sort of the track comes up to to meet you a bit so there's a decent amount of grip on this and once you get to the top of it the the back of the car is lighting up a little bit and you can go really really fast they they take turn nine in like sixth or seventh gear um and that's into like a mini straight and this is the the other only straight on the circuit and it's the end of this turn which is turn 10 where you also see some overtaking this will be max verstappen territory turn 10 is a very tight left-hander and um, but if you dive dive down the inside then there's not much anyone can do about it uh, this is where hamilton famously cr- did he crash with with nico here or did he just it was when nico pushed him off into the grass on the right hand side and hamilton ended up facing the wall near turn 11 um so it's a it's a good place to overtake uh, you got a decent amount of speed here um uh, just as long as you're you know 
teammate doesn't run you off in, off the road. Uh, turn 12 is a fun little double apex, and this brings you into a an area which was actually redesigned a number of years ago by Herman Tillich uh, between turn 13 and, and 15, and actually he actually slowed down this whole section. It used to be a lot faster. You'd come out of turn 12, and you'd basically just be you know on the gas and lifting off a little bit through um, the last two corners, but he turned it into a sort of a small little arena section. So the entrance to the pit lane here is one of the easiest in the in the, the whole year. But also it slows everyone down going into the last turn. So the last turn, they basically floor it. The penultimate turn, they uh, which is like it's almost like a little mini chicane. Um, uh, once you're out of that, you're basically flooring it. And that sort of allows everyone to be a little bit closer entering turn 16 and onto the straight, which then makes turn one perhaps more of an overtaking opportunity, uh, which is, I get, guess, was the idea behind that. So it's a fun little track. Um, it's in terms of if this is your first time watching it, it it's one of these tracks that it. It's a circuit track, but the, the crowd is on top of you, and it looks unique enough in various parts of the track that you can get a real sense of where each turn is after you've watched it. Um, it reminds me of Monaco in that respect a lot. There's a lot of topographical change happening on this one, so you can that's kind of demonstrated um, uh, in, in the way the cameras are set up. Uh, but in terms of overtaking, like I said, you're essentially talking about the ends of both straights. The really long straight turn one, absolutely the main overtaking spot of the race course, um, and then the sort of mini one after the other DRS owner turn 10 is, a, is another uh, one for you there. In terms of weather, this one is going to be hot, but there's a decent chance of rain. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that one ends up. Friday, we're talking somewhere between 75, 76 around there. That's about 23 degrees centigrade. Um, a little bit cooler on the Saturday, dropping uh, down to the sort of uh, uh, high 60s, low 70s. So let's say high teens centigrade. Um, with a, a half decent chance of rain arriving at some stage between um, uh, probably slightly before qualifying. Uh, Sunday's a bit of a wild card. So we might get rain on qualifying. We're just not sure exactly when that's going to get blown off. Um, but Sunday's an interesting one. Cooler again, 65, 63. Very, very humid, and it's going to bucket down raining in the morning. Um, the rain should have stopped before the race starts, but you never know these things. Um, you know, it's a Mediterranean region, Barcelona right there on the coast. You can never tell exactly what, what's going to happen when it comes to that type of thing. Just as somebody who grew up in Ireland on the coast, <laughs> the eastern coast, um, it's the type of thing where it's difficult to, to measure the rain hourly um, four days beforehand. So who knows? We could get rain um, uh, during the, the race, during the start of the race. It could uh, happen a little bit earlier that day too. So we'll have to Wait and find out. Um, I have uh, one email here which I want to read out. This is from Marcel Turan who says, Hey, De Drew and Danny. Um, uh, thought this would interest you. Valentino Rossi has now completed the equivalent uh, lap of the entire world over his 23-year career. Upon completing the 15th lap of the Spanish GP at Jerez this weekend, he has raced a cumulative 40,075 kilometers, equal to the circumference of the Earth. Um that's pretty good. Uh, congratulations to the doctor. Pretty good. That's very reductive of me to say. Congratulations uh, to the doctor for setting another bloody record. Uh, if you have not watched, if you have the MotoGP pass, just do yourself a favor and watch Hareth. It was a real, a real situation. Whether I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna. If you if you're going to watch it and you don't want it spoiled, skip ahead like thirty seconds. Like hit tw hit the fifteen second button twice on your on your phone. And it's the one you use whenever people start talking about mattresses and shit. Just hit that guy right twice, all right? So for those of you who are here, Jesus Christ, um, 
Pedrosa, Lorenzo, and Davizioso had the fucking crash at the end of that race and took all of themselves out. Um, title contenders, the lot. Um, so that was a whole thing. Uh, and also watching Mark Marquez do um, a Fortnite Battle Royale celebration was really strange. So between Jerez and Baku, I feel like I've like stepped into the Rubicon or, or crossed the Rubicon of, uh, of, of, of sports and video game culture and crashes and madness um so you know maybe maybe we all maybe they just blew their load that week and we can go back to having a boring races again i don't know um and i also have a note here about alonzo winning the world endurance championship as well yeah check out the i'm not sure if you can get highlights for that anywhere but um that was uh, really something to watch it's i find it difficult to watch those races just because they're so long um the moto gp i can do is like an add-on to f1 a little bit easier just because the races are so compact um but yeah, I find it difficult. Anyway, speaking of other types of racing, we're going to race around the bay. Yeah. It's always weird to do that on my own. IndyCar Grand Prix in the Indianapolis. Motor Speedway in Indianapolis, Indiana. <laughs> Just in case. We got IndyCar in Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Indianapolis, Indiana. I look forward to Indiana Jones winning that race. He won't be winning the NASCAR, though. We got the KC Masterpiece 400. 400. At Saturday, May 12th, 8 p.m., Kansas Speedway. See you there. Is Kansas Speedway in... Is that in Kansas or is that in... I didn't write down the state. I went to Kansas City and most of it's in Missouri, so I got very freaked out when that happened, so I'm going to see. It's in Kansas City. It's on the Kansas side of Kansas City. Take that, Missouri. You fucking... You tryhards. You jerk holds. Oh, almost said something weird there. Um, that's all I've got. We have no DTM this week. We're in a DTM break. Uh, they're coming back. Sebastian Buemi is pissed off at the Mercedes, apparently. Um, and we've no MotoGP as well. Um, Harris is... Uh, I believe we're in uh, France for the next MotoGP, which would be the... It's the racetrack that's named after a bike supplier. I forget. Whatever. Uh, but what we do have is Formula One. It's coming on up. The Spanish Grand Prix. We have Pacific times here, to be specific. Uh, coming from the Secret de Barcelona, Catalonia. In Catalonia, Espan. Uh, first practice session starting May 11th. Um, which is... Let's just make sure I got this right. May 11th is Friday, Friday, Friday. 2 a.m. in the morning. If you're in beautiful... Pacific um, uh, Pacific Coast of America. It's about 5 a.m. for here on the East Coast. GMT, probably in the first thing in the morning. Second practice on at 6 a.m. Pacific on Friday. We have third practice on Saturday, the 12th at 3 in the morning. We have qualifying at 6 bells. And then the race, the Spanish Grand Prix in Catalonia, Sunday, 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 May 13th, at the ripe old time of 6 hours and 10 minutes get up early don't miss it don't miss it late you don't want to do that not after all this madness we've had for the past uh, couple of races uh let's go to the driver standings for 2018 leading the pack would you believe it one lewis hamilton in his mercedes with 70 points four behind him sebastian vettel in his ferrari kimi Raikkonen, his teammate in third uh, with 48 a little bit behind there valtteri botas uh ter- you know tragically with 40 points 
he would have been uh, probably one. He would have would have been. Well, we'll see. He would have been maybe ahead of Vettel. See, he would have been w- within a point of him if, if if he had swapped with Hamilton anyway. Uh, 40 points in fourth position. Dan Ricardo, 37 points in fifth position. Fernando friggin' Alonso, sixth position in his McLaren, 28 points. Nico Hulkenberg coming up in seventh in the Renault with 22 points. Then we have a very underperforming Max Verstappen in 8th position with a paltry 18 points, Sergio Perez snapping at his heels, 15 points in ninth. Carlos Sainz Jr fair play to the Renaults, look at that they got 2 in the top 10 um, um, Carlos Sainz Jr sorry, with 13 points in 10th position, then we have Gasly with 12, decent uh, Magnussen with 11, Leclerc with a very uh, proud 8 points, Stoffel van Dorn with 8 Lance Stroll with four, Ericsson with two, Ocon and Hartley in 18, uh, sorry, 17th and 19th with one point apiece, and Roman Grosjean and Sergei Sorokin sitting with in plum last with absolute diddly squat. Grosjean will not be a happy boy. He needs to get himself some points um, this week. Uh, they're basic. They're underperforming pretty bad this year as well. Haas have had just like a between the Australian double double retirements where they could have gobbled up God knows how many points, 15 points probably. Um, they're actually doing pretty badly at the moment considering um, uh, how well um, they, the, the car is running effectively, right? Uh, the Ferraris are winning still in the Constructor Championships. They're 114 points. That's not that far ahead though of Mercedes with 110, only four in it. Uh, Red Bull, pretty far back to be honest in third place with 55 points um basically half of mercedes is mclaren then behind them unbelievable mclaren 36 points in fourth position terrific year for them um renault they're they're sort of um toughest rivals in this this battle uh with uh, 35 points you force india with 16 and sixth scuderia toro rosso uh, with their Hondas engines in third in seventh position with 13 points, Haas Ferrari with last year's Ferrari in eighth position with 11 points, only one ahead of Sauber, um, who have 10 points, and then Williams Mercedes in a rather depressing last position with four points. Yikes! And that's a podcast for this week. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. I hope I uh, did a decent job of doing this solo. I know a lot of you prefer if we get somebody on, so I'll do my best to do it for the next time. Um, apologies. I've just returned from from two weeks or one and a half weeks of frantic, um, day, you know, full days, long days of filming um, on a project that I can't really talk about yet. We'll be able to talk about it in a couple of weeks. Um so there's that and then obviously drew has uh, has just um disappeared for a month um doing his type of work as well so i'll have a very fun post spanish grand prix again thank you as ever for subscribing and listening to our podcast hit us up a review on itunes if you've got a moment um you can follow me at danny dwyer you can follow drew at drew scanlon he is patreon.com forward slash cloth map if you want to learn more about what he does over there traveling around the world telling stories about games you can support him on there as well uh, you can also learn about what i do on noclip uh, at patreon.com forward slash noclip or check out our youtube channels and watch all our videos for free uh, thank you so much for listening i hope you're having a wonderful time whether you're on the world i hope you have suitably recovered from the madness of baku and you're looking forward to uh, a fun time in the sun summertime's coming folks see you at the beach in barcelona we'll see you there yeah.
Barcelona.